0: Good morning. Did you listen to the story? (laughs) I wonder what that reminds you of. For me, that ringing of the bell reminds me of being um, at school and the bell that would go with the wooden handle, which was easier to ring, um, at the end of a break time or something, and you would know that it was time to come in and line up. It was very interesting hearing how Craig got into teaching. I used to teach for many years, and I'm sure part of my reason for wanting to be a teacher is because I wanted to ring the bell at break time, and I loved it when I got there and did do that. Now, of course, it's all music and buzzers and everything else, but I wonder what a ringing of a bell uh, reminds you of just recently watching my children play football they are obviously at stadiums without the buzzers and so the bell is wrong it's time to finish the quarter it's time to start the quarter it's time it's telling us when we hear a bell that it's time I'm crackling a bit is there anything I can do to not crackle it's this I'll leave it alone take it further away there we are hopefully that will work sorry if I continue I come from, I grew up in an old church in England, one of those ones with a big bell tower. And so the bells were often rung through the year. They would ring if there was a wedding or a funeral or every Sunday morning saying, it's time, it's time to come and gather. They were rung when the war ended. They were rung on frequent occasions to say, it is time, it is time. And that is what we hear when we hear a bell being rung. Sorry Sarah, (laughs) I love the sound of a bell. Well today we're exploring a moment in the life of Nehemiah, a man in the Bible, and it was like a bell rang in his life. Not a real bell, but a bell inside him, something that stirred, something that resonated in him and he knew it is time, it is time and for him, it was a time for rebuilding. I wonder whether for some of us here this morning, there is something resonating inside of us. And we know it is time for us too. It is time for rebuilding in us. A time to restore. And maybe for some of us, there is work to be done on ourselves, a time to restore and a time to rebuild. It may be there's work to be done in our homes, in our homes, a restoration of relationships maybe. Maybe it's a work of rebuilding and restoration beyond our homes, in our neighborhood, beyond our neighborhood, maybe even in another country. Maybe the bell is ringing for you now because it is time to restore and to rebuild our good creation to work at that maybe it's to rebuild shall i stop i know it's really frustrating i'm, I'm sorry to try and bend it so that it's not quite. There you go. try that i'll try this i'll try this and if it doesn't work i'll go there sorry guys thank you i trying to keep my hair out of the way and now it's my face oh. <laughs> Sometimes it just doesn't like it. So, is it a time for us to rebuild and restore, whether it's relationships, whether it's to do with creation, whether it's restoring or rebuilding laws or policies or structures that bring comfort, protection, health to people? Maybe your work is to restore and bring people back to wholehearted worship or study of God, loving God. Is there a bell ringing for you? Maybe you've already responded to it. Maybe you need to respond to it. Is there a rebuilding work to be done? We're going to look at the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, who follows on from Ezra. And if you did follow that story at all, you've heard all that has happened so far up to this point. We're at a point where the people of Israel have been shipped off from their land, the vast majority of them, and taken to Babylon. Now it's the Persians that are in charge. And over the last couple of Sundays, we've looked at the first two phases of people returning, going back to their homeland, back to Israel. The first crowd that went back, went back and rebuilt the temple. We're returning. It was one of those, yay, moments, a moment of celebration. They rebuilt the temple. But sadly, it wasn't quite the same as it had been before. The second phase went back, and they were um, interested in the law, and how do we again become this unique people that um, are different um, in in the world that we live in? How do we get our identity back? And they really did do the yay, celebrate, of um, let's be this people. But sadly, they couldn't really keep it up. And now, the story today is the beginning, just the beginning of this third phase and it involves the character Nehemiah. Nehemiah is still in Babylon. He hasn't gone back in the first phase. He hasn't gone back in the second phase. He's there. He's got a great job. He is the king's cupbearer. And if you know anything about poisoning people, if you wanted to poison somebody back then, a great way to do it was to put a little bit of poison in their wine. So you needed a cupbearer, somebody that dealt with your wine, who you trusted with your life because they were going to keep you well and healthy, drinking all the wine you wanted to drink. So he had a very high ranking position he wasn't just a lowly servant he was the cupbearer to the king and he is there in Babylon in Persia and his brother returns his brother returns from Israel and he just catches up with him as we do sometimes when our rallies return and he asked well how's it going back there in Jerusalem and he was um, not told very good news this is what he was told things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. I don't think that Nehemiah had ever been to Jerusalem. Clearly, he had not chosen to return there before. And so I would expect that his response might be something like, I'm so sorry to hear that. That's really sad to hear that that's what's happened to, to the land of our ancestors. Can I help in some way? but actually the depth of emotion that he feels in response takes us by surprise. We read this. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Nehemiah is so deeply moved, and it's a sadness that lingers. He laments over the city of his ancestors. We read um, next in the Bible the prayer that he prays about this. And you just see how his heart is so stirred about this as he prays about it. And the next thing we read is several months later. And several months later, he's serving wine to the king. And the king notices that he's really sad. And he asks him, well, what's wrong? And he says, well, I'm deeply sad because the home of my ancestors, the walls have been torn down and the gates have been burnt and it's in a terrible place. And so the king says, well, how how can I help? And this is what Nehemiah says. With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, if it please the king and you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked, How long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. And they didn't just say, Yeah, you can go, off you go, see you later. They actually gave him letters so he'd be safe on his journey there. They gave him army officers to accompany him, to keep him sa- safe and to help it go smoothly. They said, help yourself to the wood you need from the king's forest. They said, basically, help yourself. What do you need? Great. Take it with you. Go for it. He found incredible favor with the king. The king responded very well. Nehemiah arrived safely in Jerusalem. After a few days of meeting officials, he sneaks out one night and he rides around the city and he wants to see for himself the devastation of the walls and of the gates. And then he comes back to the officials the next day and he meets with them and he explains to them, this is what the king is prepared to do. Do you want to do it? And they say, yes, let's rebuild the walls. And so the work begins and the walls are rebuilt. And that's the story that we're looking at today way back in Persia the bell was ringing for Nehemiah it is time it is time to act he was deeply stirred in his heart he was in a position to do something about it and the king saw him with favorable eyes he found favor with the king who had rung the bell I loved hearing Craig's stories. He tells that fabulous story of how he fell accidentally into teaching and yet, and then into other th- roles as well. And yet as he looks back, he sees the moment, the moment that God showed him, that sign and those other things that led his path. Who was it that rung the bell for Nehemiah? Who was it that caused that deep moving in his heart, that caused the favor from the king, that brought him to the very position where he could do that? Well, God was at work. Because this story is a really important part, a really important story in the story of the people of God. There's another book in the Bible, Esther. And I wonder whether Nehemiah responded like Esther. It's written in a similar time, where where he was able to say, God has brought me to a position of this for just such a time as this. Is God ringing the bell now? Is there something resonating in your heart? And you have a position, an availability to do something. You can respond Are you called to the work of rebuilding and restoration for such a time as this? If so, there's just a few little points that we're going to look at from Nehemiah that I think are really helpful for us as we step into this. And the first one is take notice. Some of us, like Craig, was saying in year 10, he maybe missed a few of those signs. Some of us are really aware of what stirs us, of what happens in our guts. We're aware when things move us, and others of us are not so aware about those things. It was really obvious for Nehemiah, the bell is ringing, because he was so deeply moved. But sometimes that stirring within us doesn't come from such um, being so deeply moved. Sometimes it's a quieter bell whether that's because of the noise and the rush of the world, whether that's because we choose to ignore it, maybe. But let's take notice. Take notice of what stirs you. Take take notice of what causes a reaction deep within you because maybe there is a response for you to bring to that. Secondly, take time. So many of us are rushers. We're as if we're not procrastinators, I often think. Did you notice the time with Nehemiah though? It was actually months, it says. Months between him first hearing the news about the walls and then actually the king noticing his sadness. He didn't rush that, he knew that God was in control and he just had to wait for God to bring that timing to be. Sometimes there are occasions when immediate action needs to happen But I think sometimes we rush ahead of God. I have a job to do. I need to do it now, and I will rush into it. But let's try and be open to God's timing as we respond to his call. The third thing about getting perspective. What I love about Nehemiah's response is that it doesn't seem to be one of ego and bravado and him going... I have influence. I am important. I am doing this work for God. Look at me. Come with me. Let's go. He was important. He was an important man, and that meant that he could do this. But it doesn't seem to um, build up his ego into such a way that it's all about him. He prays in the prayer that I mentioned before. He prays, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. Listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people Israel. He remembered the truths of who God is, that it is God that had called him. He remembered the truths of his people. He goes on in this prayer to say, my people did wrong. My family did great wrong. I have done great wrong. I am weak and need you, God, in this. And he cries. He has great perspective that it is God that is in control. And he takes action and he puts his effort in wisely. It cost Nehemiah to leave the life of comfort and to take a very long journey back home. But how could he not? The bell had rung. It was time. He was very wise the way he surveyed the damage. And then he invited the people of the city. Do you want to join me? And they chose to do it because it was going to be hard for them. And it was going to cost them too. The job doesn't go very smoothly, which we will discover more about next week. But Nehemiah knew that the bell had rung. How could he not do this? He was called for this, and we can learn these things from him. When Jesus called his disciples to follow him, I wonder whether the bell rung in them, whether loudly that moved them, or whether just quietly. But they knew that they had to respond to Jesus. And then as they lived life alongside him for those years, listening to him, watching the way that he lived. They could see that they were called to a work of rebuilding, a work of restoration. I love how he taught us to pray, how it starts, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because when Jesus is king, when his will is done on earth, All will be restored, and all will be very good. And in the meantime, the bell rings. Will you join? Is it time for you? Will you join God in the work of rebuilding and restoration? Rebuilding as so much crumbles, restoring as so much is broken. And down through the years, many, many, and many of us here, I know from just knowing so many of you, have responded again and again. Now is the time to do this. Now is the time to do that. I was just reflecting on some of those things and just wanted to remind us of a few this is Comalie. You may not recognise her face if you're part of us, but you will have heard of her because she is the mum of Bobby and she's from Laos and lives in Laos, and for many Christmases now we have supported the work of Mulberries. And this is um, this lady, Comely, started this organization. Lao, as many of you know, <clears throat> excuse me, is the most <clears throat> excuse me. The most heavily bombed country for a country that is neutral and not in the war ever. During the Vietnam War, over 2 million tons of bombs were dropped in that country, which is about a ton of bombs for every person living there at the time. There were lots of people killed by those bombs during the war, but since the war, so since then, 20,000 people have been killed by these unexploded bombs, about half of them being children and many of the bombs remain there and so of course there's mass poverty how do you use the land when it's not safe to do that and so comely all those years ago decided what do I do the bell rang so loud in her heart I have to do something for my country and all she could do was she'd been taught how to how to weave silk she knew how to weave silk and make beautiful things. And she thought, well, this is what I've got. This is what I'll do. And so she taught one of two others. She taught a small group. The group grew. She taught a larger group. Um, it became a cooperative. It became an organization that now gives people saplings to grow, to feed the silkworms, to grow the silk, to weave the silk, to sell it. She loves Jesus And she has created this organization that brings people out of poverty in Laos. And it is such a privilege to be involved with her in that because she responded to the call to rebuild and restore. Many of you will know these bottles um, that were sold, the social enterprise, thank you, that some local lads started. 19-year-old lads felt the call because they heard stories, stories of people around the world who were poor and didn't have water. They had incredible ingenuity and innovativeness in them. And so they worked hard. They don't sell water anymore. But thank you products are on many shelves of supermarkets and things. And between 2008 and 2020, they raised $17 million to help the poorest. Michelle, who is part of our community, I don't know if you know this precious woman, but her heart rings beautifully for our planet and for people around. And for years, Michelle worked for Days for Girls, which is an an organization that makes sustainable sanitary hygiene kits for young girls um, and for women so that they can continue to go to school all month, that they can continue to work and not have to be interrupted and learn to create them themselves. And so Michelle was involved in that for a long time, and then she actually moved on, and she now has this fantastic shop in Baronia, here and there makers, and they sell zero waste, upcycled, fair trade, and handmade products. And the profits of this goes to Days for Girls. And the shop shop supports that local area beautifully. And it also helps people learn how do we live in environmentally friendly ways and lifestyles. It is worth going to Baronia and checking out her beautiful shop. She is involved in restoring and rebuilding. And she hears the call again and again. On a Tuesday morning when it's dark, there is a group of people and a Thursday morning who get up and who get dressed and go and meet at church. And they gather here and they pray for you. They pray for anybody that comes, visits is part of us. They pray for the many things that happen at NCR. They pray for whatever's on their heart. They pray for the situation in Ukraine, Afghanistan, the different things we're involved in. Because they believe that God is rebuilding and restoring, and they want to be part of that, and they want to see God do this, and so they come because they want to be part of this work of rebuilding and restoring. Just four simple examples. I reckon from almost any one of you here, I could have told stories of ways that you're involved in building and restoring. Do you hear the bell? Is there something that stirs you, something that saddens you? Are you in a position to take action, to do something? Maybe it is, for just such a time as this. If you're a follower of Jesus, can you respond as Nehemiah did, taking notice and taking time, being wise in the way that you respond, getting a perspective, knowing that God's in control? You may be with us this morning and you may be thinking, I don't actually know what I think of Jesus. I don't know if I've chosen to follow him yet. But I wonder if there's an area of rebuilding, restoring that you're involved in. I imagine for many of you, yes. Can I encourage you with an aspect of your life just to go, all right, Jesus, if you're there, will you turn up and just show me you're there through this part of my work? Or just help me rebuild and restore in some way through this part of what I do. And just see what happens. See what happens. The band are going to come up. Thanks, guys. As we sing our last song, maybe just reflect what have I dreamt about recently? What has saddened me? What has brought me great joy? How is God inviting me to join Him in rebuilding? in restoring and maybe as our morning ends you want to turn to somebody near you and ask them what is it that stirs you what work are you already involved in is there more for you to do maybe appropriate for you to pray for them it may not be but listen is the bell ringing